0: understanding of gold as freedom. It really is freedom. It's the uh,
1: embodiment of that, at least economic freedom. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie backed gold exploration company in mining friendly Namibia. Osino's district scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has an excellent shareholder base with Ross Beattie owning 20%, Insiders 5%, and Resource Capital Funds 8%. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to Osino trades in New York under the ticker OSILF and in Toronto under the ticker OSI to learn more go to osinoresources.com that's osinoresources.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mining Stock Education, and I'm Bill Powers. If you'd like to engage the show, feel free to reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Well, it's an interesting time in the mar- markets. We have the president of the United States uh, tweeting for U.S. companies to relocate out of China. There seems to be a full-fledged war, trade war between the U.S. and China and the U.S. president's war against the Fed right now. And gold is on the rise, as is silver. So who better to talk to than gold analyst Brian Lund. He joins me today. Brian is the editor of the Gold Newsletter. He's the host of the New Orleans Investment Conference. And this year, the conference will be held the first week of November. I'm going to put a link in the show notes below so you can check out and get more information on that conference. And I'm sure Brian will give us an update as to what to expect at the conference this upcoming in November. With that being said, Brian, welcome back to Mining Stock Education.
0: Great to be with you, Bill.
1: So we are seeing the inverted yield curve, which many point out is off in one of the uh, bellwether signs of an uh, upcoming recession. I'd like to get your thoughts on do you think we're headed into a recession and what's your thoughts in general uh, regarding uh, the U.S.-China trade war?
0: Well, it's hard to say on the recession. I think probably we are. I don't think it's necessarily uh, imminent. You know, I think it may be another year or, or 18 months or so. But at some point, I think we are. I think we're seeing some signs of weakness right now. The consumer is the only thing really supporting the U.S. economy. Um, and, in fact, the trade war, which um, I thought would have been resolved, frankly, long ago, because both, both sides really needed to be resolved, that has obviously been extended on and on. To the point where I think it's having a, a big effect on the U.S. economy and could actually precipitate a recession. Um, it's also the one of the key factors that the Federal Reserve is taking into account and uh, in kind of justifying its policy of the last rate cut in perhaps the next one or two.
1: If we were on a gold standard, the U.S., if Nixon didn't dehinge the U.S. dollar from gold... Do you think we would even be talking about a trade war right now? No, we
0: wouldn't, but I think that was inevitable. I mean, it it really is human nature. We had already gotten to that to the point with uh, guns and butter throughout the uh, 1960s and the great expansion of government entitlement programs and spending, that uh, the dollar was not worth what it was supposed to be worth, in terms of gold at least, uh, and in terms of other currencies around the world. So De Gaulle and... And other uh, government officials and uh, leaders around the world realized that and started taking America's gold in exchange for dollars. So I don't think that, uh, you know, it was going to happen sooner or later. Nixon was the bad guy. I think he was forced into that. So there is an argument, as Milton Friedman made, as to whether a gold standard would be effective or practical today with so many different economies interconnected of so much spending I think the the key question now is uh, well one for one we need to recognize that nothing is going to stop governments from spending uh, and spending beyond their means. It's just human nature it's happened throughout human history and now it's accelerated and seems to be the only, Reason for any kind of economic growth or justification for any economic growth in recent times So it's going to happen and if it is my view is that we need to focus our efforts on pushing for Gold legalization as currency alongside the dollar rather than uh, backing the dollar so that there are no taxes or other uh, costs or frictions between the use of gold as currency and uh, and therefore people can protect themselves with gold, uh, buying, selling it, trading it, using it if necessary. But in fact, they'd probably just use the dollar instead. And then the uh, the government officials could do whatever they want, the dollar, they could liquid, you know, throw huge amounts of liquidity into the system when they needed to or whatever. But as long as citizens would be able to protect themselves, I think that's the key question and the end goal.
1: So you're a libertarian politically that really decentralizes the economic system in a way, doesn't it?
0: Yes. You know, I'm a big believer. Jim Blanchard, who, of course, started Gold Newsletter and the New Orleans Investment Conference, uh, kind of fostered my uh, understanding of gold. And he had an innate understanding of gold as freedom. It really is freedom. It's the uh, embodiment of that, at least economic freedom. It, it, It gives you an independence from government intrusions, government mismanagement, government destruction of uh, the underlying currencies. And, and that's a trend that is inescapable, it's inevitable, it has always happened. And it's happening at a much quicker rate now uh, in the United States and really in modern economies.
1: Could you see what you just proposed with gold being seen as a currency and the Federal Reserve coexisting at the same time?
0: Uh, could I see it? I, I think so. I think there are ways to uh, to accomplish it, either legislatively or through the judicial system, Um, either way, I I think it could be done. All you're really asking is that the gold be uh, legalized as currency, as is, you know, by some interpretations at least, um, it's described and determined in the the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So there is an interpretation there that at least it can, could be uh, utilized and traded Alongside of uh, the dollar as legal tender,
1: it seems to me that we might see like a hard reset with that in the sense of what, like what Jim Rickards has predicted the ten thousand dollar an ounce gold. And with that, do you think we would see price inflation in our everyday items if gold was made money again?
0: I I think the price inflation would be embodied more into the price of gold as anything. And in Jim's argument, as I understand it is that at some point through these cycles of booms and busts that aren't allowed to happen, in other words, when there is a slowdown, when a bubble bursts, uh, even greater amounts of liquidity are showered onto the system to mitigate the, the harmful effects. Um, so we have these repeating cycles over and over again. And, and in each instance, there has to be greater and greater degrees of liquidity and monetary easing to accomplish the the same previous result, at some point, and I believe this is Jim's argument, and really it's it's mine as well, that at, at some point, the dollar and other currencies that are undergoing this process are going to lose credibility, um, and that as people people begin to expect and look forward to greater showerings of liquidity upon the system, and begin discounting the value of the those currency units. So at some point through these cycles, the currency will lose uh, credibility, and the at that point, the only way to really regain that that credibility is to tie the, the dollar to something uh, and tying it to gold at some level. Some level of partial backing would still result in in gold prices that are thousands of dollars higher than, the, where, than where they are today.
1: Would you foresee that, uh, what you've, you're talking about, occurring in this upcycle of the gold bull market that we're in? You
0: know, I really don't know. I, I think regardless, this cycle is of the longer term variety. I think there are issues with the debt that are going to um, uh, be uh, realized by cons- the, the consensus over the next couple of years, two, three years. You know, at some point over the next few years, we're actually going to have to start borrowing to pay the interest on the debt. You know, and at that point, the uh, debt creation just uh, goes exponential. And, uh, and that happens under virtually any interest rate scenario just because of the vast amounts of debt that are being created now. So I think there will be a, um, somewhat of a financial crisis coming up over the next few years, uh, I I think that's baked into the cake as as it is right now. Whether it's this cycle or the next one or the one after that where the dollar loses all of its credibility, I don't think anyone can say. I've had some heated discussions with my friend Peter Schiff over this. He thinks the next one's the big one and that's when the big reset will happen. But I, I really don't think anyone can say with any certainty. It it may be this cycle, they may be able to fool the public, uh, and and convince people of some relevance of the current in, in the currency uh, one or two more times. I really don't know, but but the uh, the trend is very clear. I think.
1: Not only are you a gold sound money advocate, but your uh, newsletter, the Gold Newsletter, focuses on the gold stocks. When you are thinking about your exit strategies for this upcycle in the gold bull market, can you talk about how you plan on playing that mania phase of the gold stock bull market?
0: That's a great question. I think it's something that people really need to focus on. And and it's one of the things that Rick Rule and I are going to be doing a webinar in a, in a couple of weeks to, to focus on how to not only make money, well, to maximize your returns in this new bull run, but also make sure you take some money away from it. Um, and, and I don't think anyone can plan on, on, uh, getting out at the top of the cycle. You, you really, you can't. Um, and I've been through a few cycles and I can guarantee that, uh, anyone listening to this will not get out at the top of the cycle. Mm -hmm. If they do, it'll be blind luck. It's not due to any kind of foresight or planning or, or insights
1: and stay out, right, Brian
0: (laughs) and stay out. That's, that's the key. That's a great point because, what I've always told people is, well, first off, there's a lot of ways to invest in, in gold and silver and precious metals. And, one, and the key is to have, at, at the beginning, to have a foundation of physical metals uh, and have some significant portion of that readily accessible, not in a, uh, a bank safe deposit box, but somewhere else safe and accessible. So you need to have that. But if you play uh, or invest along the spectrum, the remaining spectrum of precious metals investments, one of the ways to get a lot of leverage on this move is through mining stocks. And then again, there's a spectrum of those from large producers down to the smallest junior explorers. And we we tend to focus in Gold Newsletter on the smaller company end of the spectrum, the, the ones that are really... Uh, higher potential greater risk of course and higher potential but but in a sustained gold move gold bull market these stocks can multiply in in value three four five ten even twenty times uh in in value and we've been through cycles before i've been through cycles before where, where we have experienced these kinds of gains and the the mistakes i made and learned from Uh, The mistakes I made were basically trying to keep the money in the market in that brokerage account You get a big win if there's a liquidity event whether you sell or whether the company is taken out Then you end up putting the money back in in another new play or a new story the hot uh, the hot stock that everyone's talking about and What you really have to do is take that money out of the market just just keep a ladle into those profits and keep pulling it out of the market, putting it, put it into something illiquid like real estate or, or something else that that guards that that uh, those returns that newly really created wealth. Because if you leave it uh, in the stocks, if you leave it in even the same brokerage account, and if you leave it in cash, it will eventually find its way back into the mania somehow. And uh, the way to uh, it's the key is not making the most money during the mania. It's keeping the most after the mania has gone. So uh, that's, that's one of the key lessons that I try to tell people is you have to take profits. You have to take them off the table, put them in your pocket and run home with them at some point.
1: So if you're suspecting that you're closing in on the peak of, of a gold, gold bull upcycle, would you perhaps participate in private placements? Clip the warrants and then sell your shares when they become free trading four months later. Would that be one of the ways you might, you know, dip your feet in the water at that point?
0: Well, a lot of people participate in placements now. A lot uh, more retail investors participate in placements. And there are risks involved with that. You have that four month hold, which is, I think, good and fair. But if you're a U.S. investor, then you have to realize you're at a somewhat of a disadvantage from Canadians who can who can convert stock and and uh, and sell upon hold period expiration a lot more quickly than U.S. investors can. Um, so there are strategies involved in that. And and I again I don't think you'll be able to sense when things are really out of mania or when a blow off is Im- imminent. But when things get really heated, then you may want to buy more in the market rather than in placements. Or one of the strategies I, I tell people is if you're if you're get a an, an opportunity to invest in a placement, and let's say that place you're you're de- dedicating X amount of money toward that placement, what you may want to do is um, is split that investment. Maybe put half or or only two thirds of that X amount into that placement, but buy the same stock with the remaining funds that you are going to allocate. Buy it in the market, and that way you can't. You have liquidity, and you can get out ahead of other people as those warrants are poised to come onto the market or become free trading. Um, so you you give up a little bit of the upside. You get up. Give up a little bit on the pricing and warrant coverage but uh, typically what happens in these junior stocks is a company will plan their news flow to try and peak uh, around the warrant expiry and have some new development that will uh, spur a new buying that will soak up that new supply of stock they typically to be safe do that a few weeks before the warrant expiry and uh or at least a couple weeks and while everyone else is still locked in and there's limited liquidity and the price is rising on this news uh, if you have uh, free trading stock, you're able to take advantage of that and recoup, hopefully, some of your risk capital, if not all of it.
1: One of the things that was stressed at the recent Sprott Symposium in Vancouver on one of the panels um, was that you need to study not only the company and the investment value proposition before you participate in private placement, but you want to be studying who's buying the shares because so many of the investors buying the shares now are, are only in it for that four-month hold and they just yeah. want to sell their shares. So. My question for you is: What do you look for um, now? Not just in a company in general, Brian, but what do you specifically want to see in a private placement that would cause you to partake in it?
0: Well, I, I think the other people participating is a big deal. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are very active traders who will uh, who are very prone to clipping the warrant, um, and um, and that's that's their right, uh, but if if they're make if they're predominantly uh, the ones participating in a placement, that's that's a caution signal that you need to look at. Uh, if there are uh, members of the management team participating in the place in the placement and people with a track record record of success, uh, then that's what you know. I think that's the kind of investment that would be more attractive to me. You know, you look at Ross Beatty with uh, Equinox. He's put 60 is 70 million dollars of his own money into that stock. He is, you know, he's invested in, in the financings, bought in the market. He is not going to clip the warrants and he wants to make this his big uh, success. So, while I have some reservations about some of the projects in Equinox's portfolio, and while I, I, and I really like some of the other projects, I think the key thing that, that has me recommending that stock is Ross Beatty. By hook or by crook, he's going to make it a success, in my view. So that's why I own that stock, and that's why I, I recommend it. And that's just one of the examples. But it gets back to the management team. You, you want to see who's behind the stock, uh, if they've had successes before, and if they don't need that quick hit, um, you know, if they don't need the money from a quick hit, those are the kind of people you want to back.
1: There are uh, net worth and annual income requirements to become an accredited investor and thereby be able to take uh, place in these private placements. I've heard many people say that this isn't fair because there are people that are savvy yet are just below that economic Mm -hmm. threshold. But the government's argument is, well, we're doing it for your own safety. Uh, you're a small government person. What's your perspective on this? Do you think it's fair, the uh, accredited investor rules? Uh, no,
0: I really don't. I, I think, but, you know, I'm pretty radical on this. I don't believe in seatbelt rules. So, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I don't believe the government should protect you from yourself, uh, basically. So uh, And, and again, that's what they're doing. They're trying to protect people from themselves. Um in, you know I understand all the concerns et cetera. I don't think it there's evil motivations but I think it's somewhat of uh, arrogance that um, you know you think these people aren't as smart uh, as the people who have enough funds um, there are at least there at least should be some maximum investments or people should be able to participate through some sorts of crowdfunding or, or smaller allotments or whatever but I think that's the democratization of what has been a very exclusive uh, investment arena. And I think it could only be for the better.
1: Before you leave, Brian, as we conclude, uh, please share with us what we should expect at the upcoming New Orleans Investment Conference.
0: Well, I think you can expect, if if the past 45 years are any indication, you can can expect... uh, Insights that you won't get anywhere else. A, a gathering of the world's top experts in precious metals and mining stocks, but also other areas, other significant areas that we're we're also focusing on: technology, 5G, cannabis, uh, blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. We always have focus, have some of the agenda do- dedicated to those areas. But uh, the bottom line this year is that. In this kind of an environment with rising, uh, you know, an established confirmed bull run in gold and silver and and the mining shares, Uh, attendance at the New Orleans conference has never failed to produce uh, stocks that have multiplied in value that you can only really discover here by looking at the buzz, seeing walking among the exhibitors, hearing the stories, looking management teams in the eye. Uh, hearing what the top uh, analysts are recommending, it it's a kind of thing that that not only pays for itself, the kind of an event an investment of time and in and, and money that not not only pays for itself, but has always yielded such gains that you're really really not doing yourself a favor if you're not attending. And and I think that's what we're facing right right now uh, at this point in the market with that kind of confirmed bullish trend, uh, you really have to attend the New Orleans Investment Conference. It, it, the, the opportunity is just too great to ignore.
1: I'm going to put a link in the show notes below so that you can learn more about this upcoming conference. Brian, as always, I appreciate your insights. Thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more.